you know, gender expression and sexual orientation are two different things. You can identify yourself as being male or female, and then your sexual orientation <coughs> is a different thing. Absolutely. You could, you could, you could, uh, you could be uh, biologically a male who identifies as a female but who's attracted, attracted to females. To, to females. Uh-huh. Okay, that happens. Actually, um, I have that in reverse. I have a biologically female who identifies as a male that's attracted to males. Right. Yeah. So it's all very boring. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah, this is really boring stuff, man. Who yeah. cares? Right. <laughs> I mean, why That's why why would anybody care? I mean, we're doing this podcast to educate those people out there who maybe haven't talked about this or heard this or not open-minded to it. Maybe they're hearing it for the first time. These are things you need to know and understand and think about. Mm-hmm. But once you get it, uh, then forget it. Who cares? Yeah. Just just look, man, let people live. Let them be. Revealing truth by exposing lies. What does that mean? That means that on this podcast, we're going to talk about a variety of subjects, but we have an intention in mind, and that is to move beyond political ideology, religious dogmatism, tribalism, and nationalism, even beyond personal opinion, beyond false authorities that so many people don't even question, and taking you, the audience, someplace that you may not be quite ready to go, to that place beyond us and them. Someone show up for our first little community meeting. We did, man, and, um, you know, we were talking about just before the podcast, I count that as a success. Absolutely. I mean, uh, it's it was great to meet someone who could conversate with us on mm-hmm. these topics, and, you know, I felt like we were birds of a feather. Yeah, we were, and the funny thing about it is, of all the 400 people that I invited on Facebook, none of them showed, but one fellow that was a complete and total stranger to both of us showed up. Yeah, how about that? And that, I count that as a, as a success. Jeremy. Sure. His name Jeremy. is Jeremy. Jeremy. Yeah, very smart yeah. man, very smart man. Yeah, it was, uh, it was great to meet him and, and get to know him. I look forward to getting to know him better. He seems like the... Uh, he has a stick tootiveness about him. Yeah, I believe like, he does. Like he, if he's gonna, if he's gonna pursue a course, he's not gonna. He's, he's not, not gonna, gonna change in midstream. Exactly. What's the old expression? Um, don't change horses in midstream. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And uh, yeah, I think he'll be back to see us next week, and uh, I'm hoping that uh, we get our word out for other folks. Well, that's an encouragement, and it's a it's a boost in the right direction, and so we're mm-hmm. making progress. Yeah. Um, using the Wu Wei philosophy. Wu Wei, exactly. Yeah, the uh, the old We're, Chinese concept of uh, effortless effort. Yep. Uh, action by inaction. We are simply going to let the universe do its thing and produce for us a community group. If that happens, it happens. If it doesn't happen, then it doesn't happen. Yeah, we don't know really know how that's going to shake out. Um, what the What's going to comprise that community? You know, nope. what what kind of people, or what they're, uh, what we're all going to have in common. But I think that will just un- unfold naturally, and yep. that's as it should be. And that is um, how it should be. That's how things. That's how real community does unfold. Right. It unfolds naturally. 
It's not through creating a program at a church or, you know, creating a, a company picnic. It just unfolds naturally. It's how friendships develop and, and relationships develop. Now, the, the contribution that Jeremy brought to it was he said, you know, he made the comment that people who study these things will tell you that if you want to be successful, you need a, a niche market or a niche market, as he said. Mm-hmm. Um, people pronounce that word differently. but Yeah. Um, so the idea of being successful is to pick a vertical market, and this is what you hear in business a lot. Right. And uh, But on the other hand, we're not about business here. We're no, not we're trying not, to make money. We're not trying to make money and we're not trying to reach um, we're not <laughs> trying to reach some sort of a goal. We're not, you know, all we want to do is our only goal is to reach people that feel isolated and want to come and share company and share stimulating conversation. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And you know, yeah. speaking of people who are disenfranchised from the general society, our topic of discussion mm-hmm. tonight has to do with the LGBT community, yep. so-called community. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a, a you know they the term community is thrown around a lot, and yeah, you know the um, community. There's all community is used as a umbrella term for, for organizations that don't really have a lot of common. In my experience, the LGBT so-called community is very divisive in within itself there's a lot of factions at war with each other okay and um so anyway that's the t- that that topic came up because you hit your random number generator that's right yeah that's right it and wasn't uh, a topic that either of us were right like, eager to talk and, about and when it popped up i think both of us went oh boy this yeah. is gonna get us in trouble you know i want to say one thing about community um in the way that it's used in um the media nowadays and, uh, of course, you know, I'm on the left, but uh, I, I see the word community used, and it's almost a divisive thing. It's almost a way of separating uh, us from each other. Yeah, it becomes an us versus them. Yeah, exactly. Like my community versus your community. Exactly. Or my community is better than your community that's kind of That's right, that's right. And uh, this is part of the identity politics that's going on that mm-hmm. I keep referencing, you know, because, you know, you know People are, it's like the event, I don't know who coined the term, um, I think it was Dave Rubin who refers to it as the Victim Olympics. You know, everybody wants to say that their group or community is victimized, we're a victim, and my victimization is greater than yours. Right. Now, the thing about now, of course, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to differ with you, and we need to get into the LGBT here, but when, you know, I agree, everyone wants to talk about how they're victimized. But looking down through history, there is a history of victimization for several groups of different minorities in this country. And the LGBT group is definitely a uh, uh, one that has been persecuted. Yeah, but that all came to an end in, in, uh, a long time ago, 2017. It's been two years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is 2019. Yeah, yeah come on, man. We've this had is 21st century, man. We've had at least two years where there's been no victimization. <laughs> right. And so we could just dispense with I'll that. I'll tell you what. I'm going to introduce you to my uh, to my <laughs> gay and transgender clients, and I'll have you tell them that. And we'll, yeah. We'll see how they Of course, I'm, I'm just joking. But, you know, I do have some experience with uh, the LGBT community uh, when I lived in Las Vegas. I uh, had encounters with that community quite a bit actually 
And so, but one of the things that stands out to me, and I brought this up to you earlier when we were talking, um, that the level of, of um, suicide rate for transgender people is outrageously high. Yeah. It's, uh, by some accounts, it's as high as 40%, it, where the average uh, for the uh, average population is somewhere around 2%. Well, that, that seems, that does seem really high to me, but I, see... One of the things, and we'll get to our commentaries here in just a bit, but um, one of the things I want to compliment Mark on is his quantitative research. Um, Mark has, um, he does the research. Unfortunately, because of my personal life, I don't have a lot of time, so the only thing that I can offer at this point, it'll get better as the months go by, but the only thing I can offer at this point is qualitative research. In other words, my own personal experiences and the experiences of the people that I work with. And, um, you know, I currently I have um, two, two transgender clients both biologically female, transitioning to male. And when you mention the 40% uh, suicide rate, both of them um, have high suicidal ideation and past attempts. Mm -hmm. And um, as far as uh, gay or lesbian people, uh, and the ones that I've worked with, that's a little bit less. Uh, some of them uh, are suicidal, but quite a few that I've worked with are not. So, when you think about why, you know, why are these people so suicidal? And well, they just chose the wrong lifestyle. That's <laughs> that's what. That, you know. Yeah, yeah. They, they. It was of their own free will. Absolutely, they, they rolled chose. out of bed on the wrong side of the bed. Obviously, yeah. yeah. And uh, so you know. Yeah, absolutely. And then they just decided to wake up one day and say, you know, I think I want to be a woman, you know, or I think I want to be a man. Uh, yeah, well, know, there's, a, there's, a, there's a heavy price to pay for choosing that lifestyle. There is. And, and you know, when we get to my commentary here... I'm being slightly um, I, sardonic because you yeah. don't choose that. I mean, who, no. who would choose to live a life that's, that's going to face a constant... Uh, threat of a suicide. That's why my why would somebody choose that? That's my point. Nobody Those, would choose to live exactly. a, to be in a to live in odds with the society around them to where they're under constant persecution and feel the need uh, that suicide is temptation for them. That's right. I mean, my goodness. See, that's I, horrible. Identity is so crucial to the human psyche and in our society, and I think it's probably common for all of societies across the world, one of the foundational building blocks of identity is gender. And when your gender does not match with your biological sex, who are you? And, uh, you know, who are you really? Whenever well, you don't know who you are... The thing is that I don't think people would have a problem knowing who they are if you didn't have social um, expectations that were put on you. And so, you know, that's the thing. I mean, if you, if you just grew up in the jungle, you know, I mean, you, this wouldn't be an issue, would it? Well, no. No, probably not. But the, And you, you mentioned social expectations, and that's, that's another thing that I can tell you from qualitative, you know, research, or not research, but just experiences that I have, is when someone comes out as transgender the most hurtful things 
that, uh, to them, that they've experienced is not persecution or bullying from their peers. I work with teenagers, so bullying is, is right, uh, is the right word, but from their family. When they finally come out to the world that deep down inside they, they feel like a male and their family continues to speak to them and address them in, um, I think the term is their dead name, is, is the term that I hear used a lot, in the, t- in the name that they were given at birth and in the gender that coincides with their uh, biological sex, um, it is almost a, it's almost as if the family, although unintentionally, is saying, you know, we don't care who you are. You are who we say you are. Well, we don't care about how you're going to define yourself, yeah. um, because we live in a society that has already defined you from birth. Your gender has been uh, determined at birth. A doctor looked at your genitalia and determined that you're either male or female, right. so you need to get with the program. That's kind of the mentality. Yep. I mean, there's two factors that are going on here. It, I think it goes back to the Victorian age of not wanting to talk about sex. Okay. So there's that factor. You've got the uh, Judeo-Christian uh, concepts of morality that go with that. Exactly. So that's one aspect that's, of it, and that's deeply ingrained in our society. Yeah, and so and there's this the social stigma that you don't want to deviate from that social norm, mm-hmm. and the, so the family uh, is embarrassed, perhaps, or they're uh, and they, but really it's, they have an embarrassment that they've been carrying around in themselves. They they've been conforming. They've mm-hmm. been fearful themselves. Right. And so they don't want to deviate from the social norms. They've, mm-hmm. Their whole life has been spent trying to, con- uh, you know, and trying to role play. And trying to role play. And, you know, from my experience with gay clients um, and uh, transgender clients as well, um, well, particularly let's talk about gay or lesbian clients um, because it gets really complicated with the transgender. We'll talk about that later. But. You know, the, the, the myth is that these folks have decided of their own free will uh, that they would prefer to have intimate relations with members of the same sex. You know, it's really funny. Of all the gay clients I've worked with, every single one of them has tried to date or be with a member of the opposite sex. Every single one of them. Mm-hmm. But what they found is they simply were not attracted to them, uh, that any kind of physical relations were repulsive to them. That's not a free will choice. Why would somebody choose to, you know, again, like what you said, why would someone choose to face a lifetime of being ostracized, mm-hmm. a lifetime of uh, persecution, if you will? Uh, I don't understand that. Well, I think that the people who are listening to this podcast and maybe they're uh, opening their minds to this question of uh, LGBTQ, um, uh, opening their minds maybe for the first time, and they're hearing that there's a 40% suicide rate among transgenders. That has to be... That has to be an eye-opener. That has to make you think twice about if if you if you uh, If you assumed and went along with the prescribed idea that that this is a lifestyle choice um that statistic on its alone would be should be enough to make you rethink your position and say you know what this cannot 
be just people decide. I mean, all throughout history, we have had a certain percentage of the population that were uh, what we would term gay or mm-hmm. transgender. Now, Absolutely. These, these terms are kind of modern. You know, uh, not too yeah. long ago, um, the word transgender was, wasn't even uh, in the lexicon. And, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, back in the 60s when the gay rights movement first st- got started, you know, the term was trans, trans, uh, tra- uh, transvestite. Transvestite, yeah. Yeah, and that was a real, uh, I mean, this was like um, looked down upon as being um, a really deviant behavior. Like men were dressing like women. Right. And they were, uh, they were, they would meet other men in, in dark alleyways. Yeah. And, you know, this mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then you had some bars that would cater to the, quote, gay community. Uh-huh. And um, and then you would have a percentage of people who were cross-dressers and such as that. Uh-huh. And um, all of this was just deemed to be um, immoral, sinful, mm-hmm. and uh, and perverse, and and so on and so forth. And that, that is from a few passages in the Old Testament and the New Testament that have become ingrained in our society. Yeah, so that's better. The, 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 the stigma... Uh, in America, is rooted in the, the Judeo-Christian concept that um, homosexuality is sinful uh-huh. and that you need to repent of that sin, etc. Now, but the, if, you, if you look back in ancient times, it was not. It was fully accepted. In different cultures, were uh, it was a different situation, mm-hmm. different yeah. parts of culture. Um, um, you had Alexander the Great uh, had a wife... I think two or three wives and two or three uh, male lovers. He right. was not looked down upon. He was one of the greatest generals and military leaders of all time. Yeah, when the the Spartans, I think, were also um, known for the uh, choosing male lovers when they were because they were the military. They were a mil- strong military force, and then when they were out there and doing their campaigns and yeah. invading other lands, they would. Uh, they would find male lovers, same-sex relationships. That was a big thing in Greece. Uh, the, uh, you know, gay... Uh, uh, I, I'm sorry, I'm struggling because I don't even have the right word for it. Uh, but um, gay activity of men was a, was very common in Greece at the time. Now, there was, in, in Rome, uh, towards the end of the, the collapse of the Roman Empire, you had a, a, a lot of this kind of uh, activity, which I would call debauchery, and that involved, you know, the senators and whatever having their young male lovers and, and all of this. Right. And so, from um, the perspective of the Judeo-Christian concept of those who are um, fundamentalist Christians, they look back at the fall of the Roman Empire and say that this was um, typical of the of what brought about the collapse of the Roman Empire uh-huh. was the fact that there was this kind of um, immorality that was rampant and uh, debauchery, etc. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I think other people could argue that well, there was more going on than just that. Um, you know, oh, there was yeah. there was a, a the, the the they had debased their currency. They were um, they were militarily spread thin. They were spread thin. There was a, lots of other the slave revolts and, mm-hmm. and various. I mean, there were a lot of factors. High taxes. Um, but if if you want to start talking about morality and say that this was uh, a contributing cause to the collapse of the Roman Empire. There were historic, historic, uh, I think there's a book called The Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire. Absolutely, I have a couple of volumes of it. He talks about the morality, 
UK within. So I don't discount that there was, I mean, but that involved more than just debauchery sexually. It involved corruption. It involved a lot of other things, too. Right. And, and again, here we go. To Even in the context of the conversation that we're having, uh, you know, when we talk about uh, LGBT and Q, depending on who you ask, uh, as debauchery, I have a friend whose sister is a lesbian, and she struggled with coming out for years. Um, struggled with suicide, struggled with depression, finally came out. Now she is happily married to another woman, and they just adopted a little baby boy. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting about this? It's not debauchery. Right. Yeah, so I think that, um, <clears throat> I think that the, there's a lot, this is a complicated uh, subject to unravel, but um, I think one of the things that we can say is that when something is taboo, um, if society deems something to be taboo, let's say that um, it's taboo to, um, I don't know, let's, let's just make up something ridiculous. Let's say it's taboo to... Um, uh, to go to the beach and, and, and be naked, right? That, that, that's a taboo, there right? There you go. Okay. Now, Depends um, on how old you are and how much you weigh. As the society... <laughs> if the... <laughs> it, it ought to... Yeah, I'm not... It's, it's taboo for me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and it should be taboo for some other people. Um, I went to a nude beach. I had a girlfriend one time when I was living in California, and she yeah. she had it in her mind that she wanted to go to this uh, nude beach. And uh-huh. I was like, I was like, okay. I didn't really care. I just went along with it. Yeah. So we went down to the beach, and and I saw these people that should be wearing clothing, and <laughs> we didn't even make it to the water. I was like, okay, we have to go. You're right. This is not. You know, at, I mean, I thought at first that I was going to see attractive. Naked right. bodies. That's but, what everybody wants to see, right? But that's not what I saw. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, no, no, this isn't yeah. for me. Yeah, let's so, go home. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Now, sorry, the, taboo. I'm sorry. I had to make. So a joke. I'm just using the nude beach as an example. Uh-huh. Okay, let's. We could say that the nude beach is outside the norm. And so the vast majority of the population views that as immoral and is opposed to that, okay? Uh Now, the people who participate in the nude beach, they're not doing it for erotic purposes. Obviously, they're like, um, you know, their tits are sagging and (laughs) they got stretch marks. But they, they just enjoy being naked. It's part. It's like for them. Right. It's like it's to a natural the, thing to have the sun hit all of their body. They just want to go yeah. out on the beach and be naked. Okay, yeah. so uh-huh. there are people who do that, and it's it's not a debauchery, a sexual debauchery. It's just a people wanting to get back to nature kind of thing. But mm-hmm. from the point of view of the uh, Victorian morality, this is somehow immoral and impure and unrighteous and what have you. Uh-huh. So <clears throat> this is how. Um, the things get divided up in terms of what we determine as taboo or what the society at large will consider taboo. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's a, a, if, 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 where am I going with this? I'm not sure, but I'm hearing a power dynamic here. I guess what I'm saying is that, um, you know, we can, you can, you can have a, a view that something is immoral and then you can impose that Im- view that it's immoral on someone else. And it, but it, it, but that's your morality, 
Right. See, see, if if it's immoral for you to be naked at the beach, then don't be naked at the beach. Right. If it's immoral for you to have an abortion, then don't have an abortion. If it's immoral for you to have anal sex with this member of this another man, then don't do that. Okay. Right. So if it's immoral for you and you find it disgusting and impure and immoral and unrighteous and what have you, if that's your hang up, then don't then, do it. Then don't do it. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, but that doesn't correlate to. The freedom that some people have to experience going to the beach and, and a private beach that's their own private beach and they're not bothering anybody else and everybody there is an adult and consenting and that's their thing, okay? So, let me... Let me uh, I'm going to play the devil's advocate. Not that um, I buy into the argument that I'm fixing to uh, itch you with. Mm-hmm. Uh, Please, play I, devil's I, advocate. I, Go I right th- ahead. I think it's necessary for both of us to be a... Be able to address the objections that uh, are probably popping up into some fundamentalist Christians' heads, and I've heard these as a pastor. I've heard these, and actually, in the past, I've believed them myself. You mentioned that it's if it's immoral for you, don't do it. Which, by logic, would say if it's moral for you, then do it. Okay, so. What people are probably thinking right now is, what about if it's moral for you to kill somebody? Right? So does that mean it's okay that you do it, even if it's immoral for someone else? Right? That's the objection that I've heard a thousand times. So how, how do you address that? Well, first of all, there's a, a huge leap of logic there. Just because I, I, sa- just because I say... That uh, you shouldn't impose your immorality or your morality on somebody doesn't mm-hmm. mean that uh, you can impose your immorality on somebody, right? And, okay. and I've heard so, it in the context of the Holocaust, you know, uh, okay, Nazis thought it was okay to kill Jews, so Adolf Hitler must be an okay guy. We'll just leave him be, right? Well, so, I mean, that's outrageous on the face of it. Of I course, mean, it is. First of all, you're talking about killing a human being, mm-hmm. okay? And the word for that is murder, okay? Mm-hmm. So I think we can all agree that murder is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't need a Ten Commandments to tell us that, but because we, we all know that. Right. Right? And, and I think that, you know, when we're talking about this... this uh... What I'm saying is that just because you enjoy going to the beach and being nude doesn't mean that uh, you're more likely to be a murderer. Of course and, not. Of course and not. And so, you know, these things are... <laughs> talk about apples and oranges. I mean, right. they're as far apart as you can get. That, um, but these type of arguments uh, I've heard for years and years and years. Well, I don't know. You've got to come up with a better argument than that. I right. mean, look, the, what I'm trying to get at when I talk about this idea of what's taboo, what I'm trying to get at is... I'm going back to the Roman Empire and how people said that the collapse of the Roman Empire had to do with rampant immorality mm-hmm. and that they were um, that effeminate males were being uh, uh, glorified that you know if you look at the art and the statues and what have you the, the uh-huh. men went from being masculine to being feminine uh-huh. and the idea is that America is doing the same thing today we're seeing that uh, there's more feminine uh, effeminate males that, that this is becoming a commonplace mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that this is a evidence that our society is collapsing right now right. I think that's a much stronger argument than saying that <clears throat> you know uh, the, 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 what you were saying which to me makes no sense at all but <laughs> If you if you go down this idea that Rome was collapsing because they allowed homosexual debauchery, um, you know I think that that's just a, that was just symptomatic of a much larger problem, and that the much larger problem involved 
uh, corruption in the government. It, it involved, right. uh, uh, you know, various economic factors dealing and with slavery, the, the military. The, mm-hmm. the fact is that c- uh, civilizations do collapse over time, mm-hmm. and uh, empires do collapse over time, and for and many reasons. And, and moral decay from within is certainly one of the factors. Okay, but then do we then conclude that homosexuality is sinful based on that information? Right. I don't think we can correlate those two things. Well, you said moral decay. I, I would say, how do you define moral decay? Going to the beach naked is moral decay, right, and yeah. America is going to collapse because we right. let nude beaches. Right. It, it, that's, and a, it, that's an extreme view. And again, that again, that is going back into that's overcompensating the Judeo-Christian view that homosexuality is immoral, and therefore that type of activity is moral decay. To me, moral decay is theft. Um, you know. Um, well, I think that. Overuse of drugs, um, Look, the, the, looking down, uh, not allowing um, poor people or immigrants a fair chance in this country. That's moral decay to me. Yeah. If somebody wants to marry someone who happens to be of the same sex or somebody's right. gender doesn't correlate with their, phys- with their right. biological sex, that has nothing to do with moral decay. Moral decay right. is how you treat other people. Yeah, I think that uh, you're right. I mean, we have to be able to distinguish uh, some of these things. First of all, if uh, if... Same-sex relationships are taboo, like going to the beach is taboo, um, and we and we want to call that being immoral or debaucherous or or whatever, um, sinful. Okay, then when society starts to fall apart because of general corruption, then it's an easy thing to point the finger and say, "Oh, the reason why society's collapsing is because we let these nude beaches, we let these people go to the nude beaches." Behold, and, the scapegoat. Yeah, that's right. And so, but and but the thing is. That compounds the problem because if you say that let's uh, homosexuality is is debauchery, that it's sinful, that it's some kind of um, uh, affront against God and against um, you know the natural order or whatever, then what you do is you take people, um, as we've said before, historically have always been a part of society. They've mm-hmm. always been there. There's always been a percentage of gay and transgender people all throughout history. All throughout and so history. by pushing them to the margin, by pushing them to the outside edges and say, you have no place in this, there's no room for you. You cannot participate in society. We're going to, we're going to, uh, if you dress like a woman, we're going to arrest you, which has ha- happened in the sixties. I mean, huh? they, they would raid bars and sure. if they found men dressed like women, they arrested them. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't until 1967 that the British uh, changed their laws against homosexuality. Well, I mean, it wasn't until 1974 that the American psychiatric Association right. uh, stopped classifying homosexuality as a mental disorder. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though that there were studies as early as 1958 that indicated that um, that the relationships, homosexual relationships, were uh, on an even keel for in terms of you know the mm-hmm. healthy development of an individual. You know that wasn't any different than a heterosexual relationship. And even there's lots of studies. You talked about a lesbian couple adopting. There's uh-huh. been studies done that show that children who are uh, raised in a in a single um, gender family, whether it be two men or two women, uh, as mommy and mommy and daddy and daddy or whatever, mm-hmm. um, are able to develop normally and, and healthy. Sure. I mean, you don't find this idea that somehow um, gay people are somehow immoral or more uh, is not or, accurate. Or my favorite is is if you have gay or lesbian parents, that means you're going to be gay or lesbian. Right. See, these don't that, that doesn't correlate. No. And so this is a fear. This is homophobia mm-hmm. that people have. And in sure. fact, um, there's also this idea that somehow pedophilia is mixed in with that, and that's right. not. It's, no, it's this not. This is a whole different thing. Absolutely. You don't find gay people being pedophiles. No. 
Okay, no, no, it's, it's no. quite the contrary. Yeah, you know, and so I, I don't have the research on that, but you know, pedophilia is a completely different situation. Right. So there's a lot of ignorance on this subject, and a lot mm-hmm. of fear, and a lot of uh, and when you have ignorance and fear, and it gets perpetuated with religious dogma and what have you, mm-hmm. then you. The, the status quo becomes such that you're going to uh, not treat certain people in the society as you would want to be treated yourself. Right. And so there, what happens is... Which, of course, is the golden rule, uh-huh. right? Which is the central rule, uh, what is supposed to be the central rule of uh-huh. the teachings of Jesus of Nazareth. Uh-huh. Amazing how that gets forget, forgotten about. Go ahead. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it goes... It, and that's really how simple it is. It's just mm-hmm. about treating other people the way you'd want to be treated and, and you know, with you respect. You mentioned, um, I'm going to go off here just, yeah. uh, just a little bit, man, because I think you and I are actually, I think we started out with common ground on this, which is really freaks me out, but I think we are. Um, oh, my goodness. I hate that. I'm getting old. Where was I going? Well, oh, the idea of murder and this moral relativism. Uh-huh. Okay. So... I think I have, it as we were talking, I think I have an answer for those out there that would say, well, if it's okay for so-and-so, then why isn't it okay for me to kill somebody? The answer is consent. When you have two or more adults and they are consenting (laughs) to that particular activity that they're doing... Uh And that particular activity that they're doing does not intrude on someone else's consent, then you have no argument. So, it, you know, someone would say, okay, well, what if a bunch of guys get together and they say they want to rob a bank? You know, well, wait a minute. Again, the issue is consent. Does the owner of the bank or the employees of the bank consent to be robbed? Who gives a fuck? No. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we will talk about that, but, but you. The idea is consent, and, you know, you can, you know, it's not, when you equate, um, you know, a a person's taboo choice of lifestyle with something that is known as a crime, you're uh, ignoring the concept of consent. That's what separates what is right and what is wrong. Go ahead. Well... When you uh, take away someone's uh, right to um, op- walk freely in the world and to express their natural um, desires and content uh, and express themselves as the person that they are, whether they be um, same-sex attraction or not, then what happens is then you, you push that um, behavior into a subculture and it becomes dysfunctional um, and then you start to manifest, you start to see all kinds of uh, behaviors that are um, unhealthy. And so, you know, it's like, the, it's like drugs, for example. Let's, let's say if you legalize drugs, you would find that there, were, there would be less crime, right? And yeah. so I believe that the same thing is true. If you were to, if our society was more accepting of homosexual, gay, transgender, queer, what have you, um, then I think that people could live their lives in a much... Uh, much freer way and it wouldn't be as hostile and uh, have this uh, mentality, victim mentality, and be. Uh-huh. Uh, and <clears throat> so, a lot of what. See, back in the 50s, the, um, the, there was an effort to try to get um, uh, acceptance. Um, the homosexual community, the activists at that time, in the 50s and up until the 
uh, Stonewall, which happened in 1967, if I remember right. Uh-huh. Um, the that 50s and 60s period, they tried to uh, present homosexuality as being equal to to heterosexual, and that they would dress with you know suits and ties and march in front of the White House and the Pentagon and all this stuff. And the whole idea was, hey, we can be your neighbors, we can work in the Pentagon, we can work in the military, we can right. we can be accepted. We're like you, we're not so different. You know, we look like you, we act like you, blah blah. blah. Right. Well, that changed when there was a riot in, in New York City in Manhattan in this uh, bar called uh, Stonewall. Uh, in and okay. uh, th- that was in Greenwich Village, and uh, what happened was that bar was actually owned by the uh, crime family Gene- Genovese crime family. It's a mafia-owned bar, <laughs> and what the mafia. <laughs> Because the gay bars were kind of owned by mafia, and part of the right because re- nobody wanted to own a gay bar. Well, that's part of it, but the other part of it is that they were uh, extorting some of the members that would come in there. Like if um, gotcha. So like, right. if, let's say that you worked on Wall Street, and but you like to hang around trans transvestites, yeah, as they were called. Right. And so you might go into this bar, and you might have a beer, and you you flirt, you're flirtatious with the uh, with the crossdressers and what have you. Uh-huh. Um, they call them they call them transvestites, but they refer yeah. to themselves as queens, of course. Queens, yeah, so, right, right, right. So right. the uh, you, you maybe you enjoyed the company of queens when you were drinking some alcohol after a hard day's work, and it was just a way for you to blow steam because you were so uptight from working on Wall Street all day. You know, I can uh-huh. kind of understand that. Right. Um, yeah. So, but what would happen is that the uh, the police department would then shake these guys down, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and well, first of all, I should say the the, the mafia, mob would the mafia, the mob to out them, blackmail. Them. Right. 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 Yeah. And yeah. and then the police, on the other hand, were getting kickbacks from the mafia to uh-huh. keep the establishment open because they didn't have a liquor license, they uh-huh. didn't have like running water. The conditions were pretty bad. Yeah. And so, um, and then at one point, because the mafia wasn't paying the cops, the cops decided to go in and shut down the bar okay so that's the history of what happened there at wow. stonewall and uh now is this is this a riot that like really kicked off the uh-huh. the gay liberation that's movement? right because okay. after that there was a riot went on for six days and the, the, what happened was the first night um the uh the crowd got you know a little bit um agitated because Normally, they just, you know, they hauled off, they haul off the sissies to the paddy wagon, and, uh-huh. and, and that's the end of it. Right. But this time, there was a rumor going around that um, somebody was being beaten up inside, and I think somebody did get hit over the head with a baton because while they were in handcuffs because they were complaining their handcuffs were too tight. Uh-huh. And so that kind of made the, the, uh, the, uh, the crowd the angry. angry. Yeah. And there was, the crowd started getting bigger and bigger, and there was like 100, 200, 300 people out there eventually. <clears throat> and so the cops were, they had called for backup, and the backup didn't come. And so a, a police car, the paddy wagon got turned over, and the, the cops had to run back into the bar. There was like 15 of them, and two of them were female. And they barricaded themselves in the bar to protect themselves. And there was like this big fight, you know. And yeah. and this riot went on uh, the next night, and <clears throat> then it rained for a couple nights, so it wasn't as big a deal. But eventually, after six nights of this, um, the news got around that, hey, the, the fags have taken back their neighborhood. You know, oh. and and so and so um, they're not putting up with this abuse anymore. You know, uh-huh. yeah. and so the the flyers were being spread around saying, "Hey, we want to have our own bar, and you know, we don't want to be treated badly, and what have you." Yeah. And so this is when the word "gay" came into vogue. Uh, it hadn't been used that much before, and um, there was a group called the Gay Liberation Front. Yeah. And that's what started it right after the uh, Stonewall. And um, they tried to go down to the Village Voice, which is the local newspaper there in Greenwich Village, to publish uh, advertisements to, to attract members. And the Village Voice said they wouldn't publish anything with the word gay in it. 
they wouldn't even use the word gay. They refused to publish their advertisement in the newspaper. Huh. And so that created another riot. There was like a whole mess of people who came down to the village voice and threatened to set the place on fire. Wow. And <clears throat> so from that uh, event, uh, two or three magazines started being published with over 20,000 uh, subscribers. And it just became, and a year later, they had the first gay pride uh, march. And it was celebrated on the okay. day, uh, I think it's June something, 28th. On the day of the riot? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it was one in San Francisco, one in New York, and somewhere else, I forget, okay. Philadelphia, St. Louis, somewhere. So there was like four <clears throat> uh, gay pride parades a year later. And then a year after that, it was like somewhere, I don't know, uh, the numbers had increased to like, I don't know, close to 50. And then a, uh, and then two years later, it was like 250. And it was worldwide. Now they're in Munich and other places. So, so it became a movement. Yeah. Kind of a, a civil rights movement in, in its own way. Yeah. Well, remember what was going on at the time. Uh, <clears throat> this was the Vietnam War. Yeah. Um, this was the Civil Rights Movement with yeah. Martin Luther King. Um, there was a social l- upheaval. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So the what I'm saying is that in the 50s there was like straight gays that were trying to get. Um, they were straight acting, I should say. Straight uh-huh. acting gays were trying to get acceptance, and they were getting nowhere. They were they were making no progress. Right. And so it wasn't until the Stonewall riot and the queers that came out that uh, I'm talking the flamboyant fags, you know. Yeah, the flamers. The flamers. Yeah, the the flaming flamers. queens. Yeah, the flaming um, queens, right, right. And right. they were a big part of that. In fact, um, mm. you know, if it wasn't for the queens in that bar, there probably wouldn't have been a riot that night because it was the queens that, that really set it off. Huh. And so, you know, the, the transgender quote unquote community is what really probably play a critical role in this, uh, uh, what radicalized the gay um, liberation movement. You know, I, I said <clears throat> something, uh, you know, you mentioned, you said the word fag, and I said flamer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a transgender client of mine explain to me the origin of that. Oh, fag? And, yeah, and I had never, never, uh, never knew what it was. Now, this is what I was told by him. It's a bundle of sticks. It's a bundle of sticks. Yeah, and you know what they did? With... Yeah, if you came out mm-hmm. and you were caught in uh, homosexual activity, mm-hmm. they rolled you up in carpet mm-hmm. and they burnt you like a bundle of sticks. Well, yeah, and but it wasn't just gay people or homosexual, you know, deviants, whatever you want to call, that were being burned at the stake. I mean, you could have, you, they would take a, a bundle of sticks or a faggot and put it at your feet and tie you to a pole and set you and on fire burn you just because you didn't believe in the tenets of the Catholic Church. Right, yeah. Okay, so, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. another term for a bundle of sticks is a fascist. Yeah, okay, that's so exactly right. I don't go around calling gay people fascists, but sometimes I'll refer to them as faggots. But, you know, it's not... <laughs> It's not meant to be. Uh, it's just a word. I mean, well, you know. Well, now, now I'm going to go. Get on, over I'm going to go politically correct on okay. you. I'm going to say that it's just a word. But if you're coming from a background and you know that, oh, it's so and hurtful. You're oh, it's so hurtful. It's so hurtful to call me a fag. I, oh, the, it's so hurtful. Don't you know that people didn't burn at the stake? Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, that's the way it is. So okay. it's it's a matter of you know you, it, it's it's um, just a word. I mean, it's, it, well, now wait a minute. Now I'm going to argue with you on that one. Now we're going to have a good okay. debate. All right. Thoughts turn into words, and words turn into actions. And so words, you know, the old saying that you know sticks and stones make break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, how are you going to throw sticks and stones at somebody unless somebody tells you or gets you to do it? That's words. 
So words have yeah, power, look, man. The, I, I, there's no doubt that words have power, and mm-hmm. I think that you know, um, if you're gonna use a certain word like faggot, then you probably should know the history of it, and I do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, now. Does that mean that I can use the word freely? I try not to use the word that much. But look, in the gay community, people be calling each other fags all the time. Okay? And that's and, in and the gay community. But so in the what? straight community, for you to call someone a fag, that's no, over I'm, I'm an honorary gay person. I okay. Can, I, I can, <laughs> well, I'm not, so I try not to use that word. <laughs> okay. Well, that's the, that's the difference between, you know... I'm right there. When they had LGBTQ, and, and Q is not well defined, so I, yeah. I think it applies yeah. to me because the word queer. Uh, if you think about what does the word queer mean, it means outside the norm. Yeah. All right. Strange. Strange. Mm-hmm. Different. Uh, doesn't yeah. fit in. Right. Well, that pretty much describes me. It, it, <laughs> it, it may not describe my gender uh, orientation or my sexual orientation, but it does describe my mentality in terms sure. of my relation to the establishment and the status quo in well, the world around me. I guess so you count me in on that one, too. I could be called a fag for that reason, you mm. know, because I'm queer, because I'm different, because I don't fit in, because I don't go along with the status quo, so I'm a fag. Right. See, so you mm. can use that word many different ways. Right. So... Well, it's just the history of the word, dude. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah, it's the I, history of the word. I, it's like the word redneck. Okay. Oh, so, there we go again. Yeah, now here you go, here you go. I, Jeez. If you're a white boy and you're you're from the south and you're a hillbilly, well you can use the word redneck all you want to. But if an African American person calls you a redneck, ooh, that's an insult. Right? Well, okay. But I mean <laughs> first of all, your brain is so small it's rattling around in your head. Uh, <laughs> no word, no need to get insulting, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, please. I just Look, if you to mess if, with your head. If man. you want to use the word redneck, I have no problem with it. Um, a lot of people apply that term to themselves and and and, and they think that it's all uh, that's, you know, I'm a redneck and they're proud of it. But mm-hmm. but what you're saying is that when someone outside of their group Someone outside it. of their community mm-hmm. uses it. Mm-hmm. So these words, um, and again, I'm an honorary redneck too, so I can I can use that. I term. suppose you could. Sure. But I just think, and you know, I could use the N word, but I don't. Mm. I was married to a black woman, but you know, I mm-hmm. I could throw that word around if I wanted to. Like if I was in a stand up comic, I could do a routine with that probably and get away with it. Mm. Um, but. Maybe. Um, I don't know. That one's kind of hurtful in some ways, and so in it, I, I'm, I'm very bashful in, uh, about that. I don't feel comfortable using that word. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, at all. I don't think that fag or redneck falls into the same category, but I can understand that some people might view it that way. Okay, so there's Redne- room for a difference of opinion on this subject. Well, again, I'm, I'm going to... And, and okay, we're going off the rails. That's fine. We always do, so it's, we're dimwit, so what the heck. So let's let's look at the word redneck. Okay. So, again, what when we talk about these words, you know, and I'm with you, you know, words, words, big deal, okay. But what you, what, you can, what you have to consider when you're talking about words and you're talking about, you know, these communities, and we already talked about that, is the, the power differential. Mm-hmm. So to, to call someone a redneck, that's much more acceptable. Because the, um, you it's, know, the it's, white... It's describing might, a community that's not disenfranchised. Ex- per, bingo. You know, per that's se. it. That's yeah. exactly yeah. right. Plus, that's exactly plus right. Plus the N-word, you know, you have slavery, you know, Absolutely. 400 years of that. And so, I mean, there's a... And Jim you know, Crow and all that now, other stuff. if you call me a cracker, I'm going to get pissed. <laughs> 
I heard a comedian one time say, you know, it's great to be white. I'm, I'm a white male. Well, how better can it be? I mean, I have a good life. Uh, and, it, you know, I think it was Louis C.S. Uh, C. Louis C.K. Yeah, Louis yeah. C.K. was joking. Yeah. And I'm not doing his routine justice, but the yeah. point he got to the point where he said, uh, oh, and when people call me a cracker, that just makes me feel good. It brings back all the good memories of when we had slaves and we were in control <laughs> and oh. blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he's he's uh, being outrageous, and that's part uh-huh. of his, part uh-huh. of his comedy. But right, right. he makes the point that you know you're not you're not hurting somebody by calling him a cracker. Because uh-huh. again, it goes to the power thing. Exactly. Right. That's so the, exactly the word right. cracker had to come. You know With where the whip, the whip, yep. right? Yep. Yeah, I didn't yep. know that. I yep. didn't know I that did. until recently. I always thought it was about your skin color or something. But yeah, the, it's so about the, the whip. The slave owner would crack the whip, mm-hmm. and that's why he was called the cracker. Right. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yep. So that's interesting. But, you know, the, talking about words and how, you know, there's a there's this identity politics that I talk about that uh, people who view themselves as being victims and this and that. And uh, they've gotten to the point now where they consider words to be violent. Well, I think they need to get over it. I do, I too. Mean, and I'm a left-wing I mean, liberal, I've heard, but... I've heard these, uh, I've heard trans people come out and say that if you don't use the right pronouns and refer to me as she or he, that that's, a, that's an act of violence. If you... It, I don't believe it's an act of violence. If you unintentionally do that, then it's your mistake. If you're doing it hurtful, it's not violence, but it's still hurtful. Yeah, I think it uh, it certainly can be uh, rude, crude, and violent, uh, borderline violent. But it's not violent by the very definition. Words cannot be violent, as you said earlier. Uh, you know, the old expression: "Sticks and stones can hurt my bones, but words will never hurt me." Um, so you know, sticks and sticks and bones. Sticks. And, that's what hurts your. That that breaks your bones. That's violent. Yeah. Words are not violent, but they can do they the can damage lead of to violence. They, they they can be very hurtful. Yeah. Um and and they can be le- they can lead to violence. And you know, right, if, if I'm walking down the street right. and I pardon me mm-hmm. anybody out there that that might be LGBT, but if I'm walking down the street and I see somebody walk by me and I say the word faggot. Okay, that's insulting. Okay. But if I walk down the street and I see somebody and I look at some other people and I say, kill that faggot, that's violence. Mm-hmm. See the difference? Okay, so yeah, there are laws against going into a crowded theater and yelling fire. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you know. So there's... calling someone a name is one thing, but using that name to incite violence is mm-hmm. another thing. There are uh, limits on free speech, and I think that. Again, it goes back to what you said, you know, the golden rule, you know, mm-hmm. treat other people the way you'd want to be treated. It's quite and, simple. And, you know, if you are talking to someone and they request that you use their pronouns, then, you know, there's no, I have no problem with that do at all. Do the best that you can. I mean, you I, you know, if, if someone presents themselves as female, then it's quite natural to refer to them as she or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was married to a transgender woman. She she would go into a store when she wasn't made up, and they would still refer to her as ma'am, you know. It's like, uh-huh. would you like your change, ma'am, or whatever. So she, because there was a time where she was kind of confused about her thing, and she wanted to, so she dressed like a boy, and she still got treated like a woman because she was very feminine, okay. Uh-huh. So... <clears throat> This uh, and, and it's not easy to be dealing with this kind of uh, problem or issue of being trans and uh, being in between male and female and trying to uh, find it's, out what your own identity is. From personal experience, um, from dealing with my clients, it's a terrible yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, like the worst. Yeah, I dealt with happen. this uh, with my wife. She went through a lot of mental torments over this mm-hmm. kind of thing, 
and uh, it was not easy for her. Um, and here I am, I'm just a straight guy, I'm just kind of going along with it. I don't really have a dog in the fight when it comes to this. It's like, I, it's not a, I don't have a personal stake in it, you know? Uh-huh. I'm just trying to be a loving, supporting husband to her. And, uh-huh. and we had a relationship that was that went through a lot of difficult times because of, uh, you know, I mean, it's not an easy thing when people are uh, dealing with this subject in real life. And, yeah. and the, 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 the um, so, there, you know, eventually uh, we separated because it didn't, it didn't work out. Yeah. Um, and there were a lot of reasons for that, but. Well, it's kind of like, uh, you know, there's some taboo subjects and uh, let's, let's say, and maybe we'll talk about this later, but. Let's say abortion. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just that word mm-hmm. immediately gets emotions, mm-hmm. right? And um, the thing about it is, though, is you can be completely anti-abortion. Mm-hmm. You can completely be pro-choice. Mm-hmm. But until you're in the middle of it, until you know someone that's trying to figure out what to do with that unwanted pregnancy, or if you are that person that has an unwanted pregnancy... You know, that's a whole different ball game. Uh-huh. And so what I object to, I think, mostly in the way things are in, in our country now, is that um, everybody gets on the bandwagon to be for something or against something. And they, they all want to, you know, talk about this on Facebook and, you know, talk about that, you know, in the news and this kind of stuff. But what they forget, and I think this is just my personality coming out, but, you know, it's really weird how people change when it's them or it's someone they care about. Uh-huh. And if you can take that that feeling of someone, if it's you or someone you care about, and the greatest thing you can do is amplify that to the national stage. And it's nice to be for something or against something because it's immoral or because this, that, and the other thing. But think about the people you know. Put yourself in their place and then speak on the national stage from that point of view. I think that's extremely important. Whenever we talk about this identity politics or, or you know, this morality thing, you know, shut your mouth until you've been there. That's just my point of view. I hear you, and um, yeah, so I don't have anything in response to that. I mean, um, what can I say? You're absolutely right. Um, People do find themselves amped up over um, whatever is uh, the current um, controversy. Whatever's in vogue. Yeah, so, you know, right now the whole transgender thing is a big topic of discussion, you know. Mm And talking about what pronouns to use. The, the easy solution to that is to just use the person's name, okay? Yeah. So if, if, if you ask a person what their name is, and they say, my name is Summer. And you say, oh, it's nice to meet you, Summer. Mm-hmm. And then you say, then you speak in the, to someone next to him and say, uh, would you like to sit with Summer? Or um, have you seen Summer's new um, car that Summer bought? And uh-huh. Summer just bought this car last week. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. I didn't have to say he or she at all. Right. I'm just right. saying Summer. Just saying their name. I'm using that's their name. Mm-hmm. And if if this would if this would solve all the problems. And you know, I think that's a good idea. I haven't heard that before because I usually try to use the pronoun 
that the person, you know, requests me to use. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I don't know, you know, if, I, if I'm not sure exactly what's going on, I like the, the idea because let's say that you have someone who's biologically a male but identifies as a female. And you ask them what their name is and they say Summer. Summer is a female name. By using that name, you not only are addressing them as an individual, but you're also confirming the gender that they're identifying by. Right. It's and a so good the, idea. Well, it's perfect English. Okay. Yeah. So there's nothing uh, wrong with it. It's just a retraining yourself to do it. I mean, exactly. And it's not that hard. Um, yeah. Sometimes people will be androgynous and they have a name that's uh, androgynous. If you don't yeah. know, you don't I, know if they're male or female. So just use the name. I have what a, difference does it make? Right. And I have a client that uh, <clears throat> prefers the pronoun they or there, mm-hmm. uh, but he goes by Aaron. So, so, you know, you can say Aaron. Or they go by Aaron. Sorry. Have you seen Aaron's new sweater? Aaron, yeah. you know, just bought this at the store yesterday. But You know, so um, there, there's absolutely no problem with that. Mm-hmm. And so this is the solution to the whole problem. People who want to get all up up and uh, saying that, that, that Canada had a law saying that you had to use the proper pronouns or you go to jail or some ridiculous thing that were yeah, forcing speech. I know. And uh, this is where um, Jordan Peterson got... Um, uh, his pop- popularity because he came out against that and said, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you know, the government can't tell me what to say. And so mm-hmm. he was opposing that. And of course he became a lightning rod for the left and the right. Uh, uh-huh. And so, th- you know, they were calling him of being a homophobe and all this and because he didn't want to use the pronouns and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but you know, the solution to that problem was just say, okay, I'm going to call you by your name. What's your name? Right. Okay, yeah. if, if your name is Aaron, I'll say, hello, Aaron. It's nice to meet you, right. Aaron. Hey, I Aaron. like your car, Aaron. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and again, that just it 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 builds on that. I'm recognizing recognizing you as an individual, and if the name mm-hmm. coincides with the gender you're identifying as, mm-hmm. it reinforces that. I think it's a great idea. Absolutely. So, look, if the if the government wants to make a law saying that you know instead of saying you have to use the proper pronouns of she and he and we and thee and whatever, mm-hmm. I mean that's ridiculous. Mm. But you could say, um, you know, use their name. Right. I wouldn't have a problem with that. Why would anybody have a problem with that? Exactly. I mean, look, it's uh, the most. They say that the the sound, the word that is most appealing to the human ear is your own. The sound of your, your own, own voice. Yeah. I mean, the sound of your own name. Yeah. In my case, it's the sound of my own voice. <laughs> <laughs> testify, brother. Testify. I've never really felt that the, that that my name really fit me too well. I've often thought about changing it, but mm. um, anyway, I mean, we all have identity. Uh, issues uh, about it doesn't it doesn't have to be uh, a gender or a sexual orientation it could be many other factors absolutely and the fact is that human beings are very complicated creatures and we don't you know let's just accept one another and you know And, and again it goes back to treat other people the way that you want to be treated. Uh It's simple. There's no there's no need for a giant political debate over you know, uh, pronouns or, uh, or community this and this community and that community. And, you know, this, you know, the African-American community votes for Hillary Clinton while the, um, you know, uh, white working class votes for Donald Trump. You know, if we just treated each other the way that we wanted to be treated. Well, I think that things are going that direction. I think that this, we're in a period right now where there's a lot of, um, flare up about, uh, you know, gay and transgender issues that are being flared up uh, right now for whatever reason. You know, I mean, I think Trump 
<clears throat> contributed to that because there was some kind of banning the transgender uh, transgenders in the U.S. military. Is that what he did? Yes. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> and um, there's discussion about you know uh, having assigning people a gender at birth and being able to to stick to that. Um, you know, for purposes of, you know, government um, regulations and what have you. Uh-huh. And um, uh, so there's some, you know, issues there that need to be resolved and everything. But, you know, the, the this, um, uh, it's just a big issue right now. And, but I think that it's, we're moving in the right direction. I think that um, there's more social acceptance, gay marriage is accepted. I mean, the, the people on the right have kind of given up the fight on this whole uh-huh. You know, issue because you know there was a time not long ago uh, before the gay marriage was um, legalized that you know this was a contentious issue like abortion, uh-huh. but um, now it's kind of over and done with. I mean, you and, know, and rightly so. And yeah, rightly so. I mean, it's more work for the for the divorce lawyers now. I mean, that's been <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I that's mean, for you know, sure. the, they get they get more money. They're yeah, going to they get, get more money because yeah, you know. I think that gay people will get divorced as often as straight people do. Yep. Um, uh, and you, you know, know what? When they do, there's going to be a, a line of fundamentalist Christians standing in line saying, See, I told you, yeah. without even looking at the fact that half of them are divorced as well. Well, that's the thing. I mean, how, how many uh, of these so-called fundamentalist Christians are divorced and remarried? Exactly. And I mean, I think Jesus had something to say about that. He did that. have a little bit to say about yeah, that. Yeah, so if you're going to so. be, if you're going to stick to the Bible <laughs> and your morality is going to be based on the Bible, then, you know, you're pointing the finger uh, yeah. when there's four pointing back at you. You need to get the... the the plank out of your, your own, own eye, eye yeah. before you pick out the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye. Yeah. So I come down on this issue with in terms of um, treating other people with decency. Absolutely. And respect. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, they don't have to dress the way that makes me comfortable. They don't have to uh, behave the way that makes me comfortable. I, I appreciate the fact that there is some diversity in the world. That we're not all the same. It makes the world much more interesting. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I've talked to you about this uh, idea of quadrants that is being um, presented by Ken Weber. And he, he says that there are three quadrants. And in, he, he would say that in the upper right-hand corner you have uh, gender. So you have male-female gender expression that is kind of a, um, a spectrum. And people don't fall neatly right. into one or the other. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole spectrum. And gender is very fluid. It, the scientists are discovering and people yep. are expressing this. So, the same as sexual orientation, actually. Yeah. Now, on his From scale, the on the, on the quadrant, he refers to the upper left as being masculine and feminine. Now, this isn't um, how you express, but how you're genetically predisposed. So this is very narrow in that sense because you have either XX or XY. Okay, uh-huh. and that's a that's a hard fact, and right. so you know that affects your physiology. You know, when you're in the womb, you're getting testosterone that's affecting the development of your brain. Uh, there's no there's no doubt, but you can be biological male and biological female, and right. there's probably like <clears throat> less than two percent of the population that would deviate from that. Right. Um, so the vast majority of the people who come into this world, uh, you can look at their genitalia as a baby and say that's a man, or that's a baby boy, or that's a baby girl, and that's what doctors do. They assign the gender at birth. Uh-huh. Now, um, can somebody then decide later that that didn't fit who I am, and I've, I, I'm expressing myself as a woman even though I have the genitalia of a man or what have you? Um, I think we've come to the realization that, yes, that is going to be something that our society is just going to have to accept. Yep. People uh, either have free will or they don't. They either have agency or they don't. 
And mm-hmm. you can't go around imposing your view on other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, people can express themselves. You know, gender expression and sexual orientation are two different things. You can identify yourself as being uh, male or female. And then your sexual orientation <laughs> is a different thing. Absolutely, you could you could you could, I, you could be uh, biologically a male who identifies as a female but who's attracted, attracted to females. To, to females, uh-huh. okay, that happens. Actually, um, I have that in reverse. I have uh, a biologically female who identifies as a male that's attracted to males. Right. Yeah. So it's all very boring. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah, this is really boring stuff, man. Who yeah. cares? Right. Yeah. I mean, why That's why why would anybody care? I mean, we're doing this podcast to educate those people out there who maybe haven't talked about this or heard this or not open-minded to it. Maybe they're hearing it for the first time. These are things you need to know and understand and think about. Mm-hmm. But once you get it, uh, then forget it. Who cares? Yeah. Just just look, man, let people live let them be. Just yeah. let them live. Yeah. If Look, they're not hurting you, let them live. Come on. Yeah. Like, I was trying to make the point earlier, and I don't know that I did, so let me repeat myself. There was the effort at the, in the 50s to try to get acceptance by homosexual community as being, you know, we're one of the, we're just Americans. We wear a tie and we work the same jobs you do. That got no traction at all. Uh-huh. And so it wasn't until the flaming uh, queens came out and started bashing heads with the cops that, uh-huh. that things started to change. And mm. that's when the, the then you had the, the gay pride parades. And this is what caused the, the Christians to freak out because they see these flaming fags walking around dressed with, you know, yellow and blue wigs. And right. Shit. And it's right. like, you know, showing off their ass. And, and right. you know, it's like... Um, Assless chaps and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. The leather, the leather the bears. Leather, yeah, the leather. And le- the otters yeah. and the rest of right. it. And um, I, didn't, I don't even know what that is, but... Oh, you mean the furries? The, 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 yeah, they yeah. dress up in uh, animal costumes. Oh my god! It's like it's 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 just I don't know. I, for for someone who has been uh, schooled in Victorian sexual uh, mores, that's just that's just too much. It's, it's, the, it's something else. It's buddy, just like it's you. disgusting. It's like oh my god! Oh, that's revolting! Oh, that's a sin! Oh my god! God's gonna strike them down! Oh oh! I can't look! I can't look! And, well, so, you know that's God's business, not yours, right? Yeah. So I think we've gone through a twenty-year period of this kind of thing and longer uh 30 years more um of of seeing this kind of flamboyant you know gay pride parades and this has been psychologically healthy for gay people who felt that they were being ostracized and condemned and judged and all they needed to come out and take pride in themselves and all that and so there was a certain amount of of behavior that was flamboyant as that was associated with that and i think that what we're going to see in the future is you're going to see gay people who don't act flamboyant as much. And they just become normal members of society. Yeah, and that's what you see with lesbians, too. I mean, lesbians are just kind of like, you know, they they seem to fit in. Lesbians, for some reason, seem to fit in more than than gay men. I'm not sure why, but uh, at least from what I see. Yeah, yeah, and that's... But that puts them... At odds with the, see in the gay community, there there's resentment towards lesbians because they do fit in and they don't have they don't deal with the AIDS issue so much. Uh-huh. I mean, AIDS is a, a doesn't affect women uh, mm-hmm. lesbians mm-hmm. Uh, so much, and so then you have um, or I say so much probably not at all. I mean, you know the way uh, AIDS is transferred, Body it's, fluids, it's, it's a blood disease basically. Blood. Yeah. So um, receptive anal intercourse is the number one trans. Mm-hmm. 
transmitter, and then uh, you know, dirty uh, needles is the second. Yeah. So as long as a lesbian's not an IV drug abuser, their chances of getting AIDS is zero. Pretty low, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so because they they are in, they they occupy a unique space in this community, and so as a consequence, there's jealousy in in, in uh, from other elements there's all these subcultures within the gay community you know that can't even be explained it's just like all of these different groups uh and they're all kind of hostile towards each other in 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 many ways and um so what i'm saying is that this is the this is how it's been playing out for the past 30 years okay and i i really think that things are going to change i think that you know people are going to find their place in society and and the way the lesbians have and that more and more people are just going to accept it and it's going to not be a problem it's not right. going to be an issue and in fact i think even traditional churches are going to get there's a big hell of the, the issue is with the traditional churches is whether we're going to allow openly gay couples to be a uh, clergy right yeah that's that's yeah, yeah. that's still yeah. being debated like the the methodists just recently went through this well in where, the baptist church they're still trying to figure out if they want women to be clergy <laughs> okay yeah so so these uh these issues will continue on and uh they'll sort themselves out but i mean the and i think you're right i think is that acceptance becomes more and more this this quote outlandish behavior is going to decrease Right, it's in terms of like a political expression because it's not mm-hmm. necessary. I think. I mean, there's always going to be flaming queers and flaming faggots. There's always going to be the flamers. All right, that's just that's who they are, and it's okay. Yeah, yeah. it's okay. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they occupy their space, right. and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not. What I'm saying is that the political movement um, has been uh, in the minds of people on the outside looking in. They associate that as what the whole political movement is, because that's the that's what gets the well, attention. Once again, they're stereotyping, right? And that is, uh, you know, that is the tool of the bigot and the homophobe, right? Is is stereotyping? You know, they look at the actions of very few people and apply it towards everyone. And you know, it, it, again, it's hilarious. Um, you know, you can do that if you don't know anybody that's gay. Right. Or if you don't know anybody that happens to be of a different race than you. It's easy to stereotype. But it's really strange once you actually get to know them how they don't always fit the stereotype. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and um, but when they're pushed to the outside of society, to the margins, then they do start to fit stereotypes. Because when you get pushed to the outside of the margin of society... Um, then you start to manifest uh, the the negative aspects that you find on the on the fringes, which is you know being a thief, you know uh, uh, doing drugs, uh-huh. uh, uh, whatever it might be, and then you start to associate. Well, that's that's what queers are unreliable. You can't trust them. They're going to rob you, or they're going to do drugs, or they're you know they have weak character, and and, uh-huh. and that's true. Uh, it has been true to some degree, but I would argue that that has to do with them being pushed to the outside of the margin. If they were more yeah. ma- uh, accepted in this within society, I think you would find that they they start to become um, well, a little bit more responsible, and that they're not going to have these weaknesses of character that are being identified well, and associated with the, with being gay. Once again, whenever you have any group that's pushed to the to the margins of society what what happens when you're not accepted by the society at large you feel different you feel ostracized you feel less of a human it's got to be stressful Uh, you feel hopeless right Um, this is why you find high suicide rates you have high suicide rates you have high drug abuse and that's not just much the lgbt Mm -hmm. you can look at any marginalized society group Mm -hmm. in our country in the past and even in the present 
And you're going to find high levels of alcoholism, high levels of drug abuse, high levels of crime. When you don't have any hope, and you believe that there's no way of improving your station in life because the odds are stacked against you because the system is inherently racist or inherently homophobic, you're going to act as if someone who would act as if they had no hope, as if the world was ending tomorrow. Because for you, you don't, you're not going to get anywhere. So who cares? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's, and then, of course, the bad thing about it is... Not invested in the society. And whenever you act that way, that gives the society at large an excuse to Mm -hmm. view you that way, which only increases your hopelessness. Yeah, and I think that that describes what's been going on in this country for a long time with, with the LGBT community. So I see this turning a corner. And you start to see mayors now that are openly gay. This is uh-huh. very common. There's even and, a candidate for president uh-huh. that is openly gay. Right. And he uh-huh. says that Who meeting his that husband thing? or lover uh, brought him to God, is what he says. Huh. So he, he says, that it, and he, he was addressing um, the vice president saying, you know, if you have a problem with being, being gay, your problem's with me, your problem's with my creator. Uh, yeah. So this is going to continue to be a big debate in the upcoming election, apparently. And uh, it's, I think that more and more people are going to have to weigh into the debate and listen to podcasts like this and kind of, you know, come to terms with their prejudices and preconceived ideas and try to, you know, f- find figure out for themselves, where do I stand on this issue? And I think that what we're saying, uh, dimwits here, I, the common ground we have is that, you know, you should uh, apply the golden rule, you know, to treat others the way you'd want to be treated. And in every church across America, every fundamentalist church across America that wants to focus on focus on Leviticus twenty thirteen and on Romans chapter one, ask yourself. You know, here's what here's what here's what Jesus said. He was asked by a teacher of the law, and the teacher was trying to tempt him, and the teacher said, you know, okay, teacher, which is the greatest commandment? thinking that he was going to get a crazy answer or something like that. And uh, Jesus said, actually, there's two. The greatest one is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your strength, and your soul. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said this. He said, on these two, all of the law and the Psalms and the prophets hang. So... When you are not loving your neighbor as yourself, and you're not treating someone as you want to be treated, you have already violated all of the law of Moses, all of the Psalms, and all of the prophets. That, those two things take precedent over some obscure uh, command in the book of Leviticus or something that is being taken out of context in the book of uh, in the book of Romans. Yeah, I went you, on my preacher <clears throat> mode, but that's that's the way it is. Yeah, if you want to talk about the book of Leviticus, I mean, you know, there's some uh, laws in there that talk about stoning your daughter because she disobeyed her parents. Right. And yeah. so, I mean, I don't think we're going to try to enforce that one. Mm. Or right? if a, if a woman is uh, uh, raped. Um, and she doesn't cry out, then it's her fault. Oh, yeah, okay. that's actually in the book of Leviticus. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, reading some of those passages is kind of scary because it's like, you know, I think that my, where I stand on this whole thing is that, that, um, these laws were given to the Jews and I'm not Jewish. <laughs> yeah, neither am I. 
Yeah, okay? I'm a Gentile. In fact, if you read the book of, uh, in, the, in the New Testament, if you read the book of Hebrews that was written to the Jews, the Hebrew mm-hmm. book of Hebrews, he says the same thing, essentially. He's saying, look, the, uh, the old covenant, referring to these laws, um, are no longer applicable. It's passing away. Yeah, it's passing mm-hmm. away. And yep. Yep. So, <clears throat> so we're in the new, um, new age of the... In the uh, new age, the new covenant. Yeah, with the Holy Spirit operating. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that if, um, if you want to argue that homosexuality is a sin, um, and you don't have the power to overcome that sin because it's, it's a habit energy that's so deeply ingrained in your person at, that you can't... Uh, that you feel like Satan has a foothold and you, you struggle to carve out this cancer your whole life and you have no, had no ex- success, then what the New Testament Christianity is teaching you is you can't do it on your own, that you know nobody can overcome sin on their own, and that's why you need the Holy Spirit operating in your life. So there's um, that, you know, this, this is where Christianity um, teaching should come in, in my view, is that if you're going to... Um, uh, if you're going to follow the Christian path, then that doesn't mean that you know you're going to live perfectly moral life. Um, no one does, right? And and it's not possible to whether you're straight or whether you're gay. It doesn't matter what your sexual orientation is. You're not going to live a moral, a moral life regardless, right? And so the teaching of the Bible in the New Testament is that you know this is. Uh, the function of the Holy Spirit in your life is to make it possible for you to um, to, to to do what would otherwise be impossible. Yep. Okay. And, and you know, here's here's what I and again, I'm just gonna uh, kind of go off the rails here, and we're just kind of spouting our opinions now. So here you go. All right. You know, if you happen to be uh, gay, and I'm thinking of a particular client of mine. Um, you know, stop worrying about if you're sinning or not. Just be who you are. Love God and treat people the way you want to be treated. If you're gay, you're gay. Let it go, man. If you're going to a church that says that you can't be a Christian and be gay, find another church. Well, there's such a thing as a communion service that happens every so often in different denominations. Mm -hmm. And part of the communion service is realizing that Jesus died for your sins, that your sins are forgiven, and coming to accept that, okay? And so, it's kind of a ritualistic thing that people do, but I think it's very important uh, for, uh, it's very, it's, it's part of a mental health to be able to realize that there is a God in heaven who loves you, and that he is forgiving you of your sins. Right. And so, um, by being able to come before him and say, I repent or I confess my sins, and then, you know, I'm sorry for my behaviors that I've done that are wrong and hurtful to other people, and I ask for forgiveness and knowing that you can receive forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Now, getting back to this whole question of being gay, did did your being gay hurt somebody? Right. No. So what are you, what are you asking God to forgive you for, for, for being born? Exactly. Okay. That's so, And you're, you're asking God to forgive you for you being who you are. Do straight people have to do that also? No. Well, isn't that, that weird how that is? It's kind of weird, isn't it? It's kind of a double standard so like, there, ain't like, it? I mean, there's enough sin in the world. There's enough things to repent of. There's enough, you know, crimes that we're all guilty of. There's enough things that we fall short of. Um, I don't think we have to, you know, uh, have a big mental uh, uh, hassle. Crisis. Crisis uh, over, over this uh, identity of your, your basic gender sexual orientation. Exactly. 
Yeah. Um, now I've come. I, I sound like a liberal talking here because I have come. <laughs> I, I've come a long way. I mean, well, I, look, I, man, I had a homophobia at one time. I've come a long way too. I mean, I really have. And the thing that changed me the most, and again, I'm going to go right back to where I was. The thing, you know, before I was a counselor, yeah, I was like, you know, being gay is a sin. You know, mm. if you feel like you need to be gay, then. You know, you need to ask for forgiveness, and if you feel like you can't be with a woman, then you should be celibate. You know, that kind of stuff. Mm. And then I became a counselor, and um, I met people who were struggling with their sexual orientation and had no choice in it. I met um, teenagers who had uh, gay parents, and they were, you know, they needed some counseling, but they weren't, you know... uh, flaming homosexuals and, uh, you know, pedophiles, and I, and I realized that, you know, these people are just people. They're not, like, leading a debaucherous lifestyle. They just happen to prefer members of the same sex instead of members of the opposite sex. Or they were unfortunate enough to um, have a, a feeling that they were the wrong gender according to their biological body. Those people deserve our compassion. Those, you know, the ones that are suffering for this. And if they're not suffering, then they should just be allowed to be who they are. And that my, my views have changed dramatically uh-huh. over that. And the reason they changed is not because I had someone intellectually try to argue their point, and I believed it. But because I had personal experience. Uh-huh. And, you know, again, like I said... You can argue about one thing or another, but until you've been there, you know, until you know somebody, your point, to you know, at least to me, is not valid, you know. And uh, it's nice to have views about everything, but, uh, you know, you can argue against immigrants, and you can say that immigrants should not come in this country until you've sat down with a few of them and heard their stories. Yeah, I knew a guy uh, who was a repairman when it came to uh, electrical and uh, air conditioning, heating uh-huh. and air. And this guy was genius. I mean, he was a very smart man, and he had a gift for he uh, for fixing uh, equipment. He made good money, mm-hmm. and but he wasn't in the country legally, and he so he get thrown in jail repeatedly. I think he went to jail like eight times, uh-huh. and each time that he went to jail, um, it was for a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. And he told me that he says he, he just couldn't do it again. So now he's gonna move, when he gets out of jail, goes back. They're gonna send him back to Mexico. What he'll do now is he'll go to Spain because he can go to Spain and he can do his air conditioning repair over there and. Uh, uh, there's a need for that. They're, they're, they need people. So he's going to go to Spain. But it's like... Um, so if, America just lost yeah. out on a guy with talent. Yeah. I mean, he, he would have made good money. He would have paid taxes. He would have been contributing to society. Mm-hmm. I don't see any reason why that having him uh, uh, contribute to society would be was a problem and that he needed to go to jail. I mean, right. think about the, the cost of the taxpayer putting this guy in jail for Absolutely. all this time. When Absolutely. he could have been out there doing something destructive mm-hmm. with his life and wanted to. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wanted to contribute, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, versus someone who maybe is in this country illegally that doing criminal activity, maybe they should be in jail, but yeah. the, the system is not equitable. It's not working. It's not nope. getting the right people are not being punished. You're not, so the whole thing is, yeah, we talked about that last week. Yeah, last week, yeah. So and I, the, the I, typical way for, for America and the way the government does things in America is, you know, if somebody lights a match, you put it out with a swimming pool. <laughs> you know? And, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. Yeah, 100%. so another topic to discuss would be um, 
pretrial detention and the whole uh, incarceration issue of people being locked up in, in prisons and jails and how America has the largest population of incarcerated people in anywhere in the world. We need to add that to our list okay, of things to talk right about. Um, but look at the time. I mean, we've been talking for an hour and 21 minutes about gay people. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, didn't yeah. know, I didn't know I could talk that long. I thought this was going to be 20 minutes and we were going to be done. Yeah, right. I didn't know that I had enough to say on the subject. It's just that we got the ball rolling and here we are. So, yeah, um, well, we did it. We had a whole podcast mm-hmm. and, you know, with no um, introductory dialogue or anything, a whole 20 minutes. That's a full podcast. Uh, I think we've covered all the ground. There's nothing really more to be said here. I, I don't think so, but I'm sure that we'll find something yeah, somewhere. I'm sure uh, we'll think of something. But Okay, so now it's time for us to figure out what we're going to do Okay. next time. What do you got? And uh, my little uh, number generator says that we're going to talk about unions. My sound effects are turned all the way down, apparently. Yay for unions. If you're on the right, it's more like this. (laughs) I don't know. I I don't know how you are, Mark, but that's that's the stereotype, you know. (laughs) You know, the the Seventh-day Adventist Church, there was a prophet by the name of um, uh, Elizabeth Care Prophet. No, I'm getting that confused with someone else. Her name was... um, White, something white. Anyway, yeah, Ellen White. Ellen White. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she was real big on this idea that uh, unions were uh, the evil of the world, <laughs> and and uh, <laughs> she must have voted Republican. She was predict. Sure. <laughs> she was predicting that the Antichrist was going to come about because of the uh, unions. Oh, I love it! I yeah. love it! Yeah, yeah. You got to do some research on that. Yeah, well, I'll bring gonna, that up. Oh, I'll, I'll explore that in more detail. Yeah. Uh, next week. Yeah, that sounds like so, fun. <laughs> Yeah, and then um, it would also be interesting to go back and look at the history of the uh, early Marxist um, socialist movements and how early that started. Mm -hmm. I don't think people realize that it was all related to the unions, particularly in places like San Francisco and other places where they were, you know, trying to unionize labor. Unionize labor. Mm -hmm. The entire Marxist movement Mm -hmm. was as a response to the mistreatment of industrial workers. I agree. You know, when I look at this political spectrum, I don't look at it left and right. I look at it as liberty on one side and oppression on the other. Sure. Sure. I can't argue with that. I can't argue with that at all. Yeah. And when you have oppression, that's where the governments are, right? The government's doing the oppression. So the less government you have, the more liberty you have. And that was the idea behind the Founding Fathers. They wanted to put limits on government and give people more liberty. That was the whole idea of the American experiment. I agree. I think we're going to morph into the next week's podcast if we don't cut her down. Well, so. we've got a lot to talk about. It'll be interesting. So, I think, um, I, yeah, I think it's going to be very. We'll enjoyable talk next about week. we'll talk about unions and how that uh, connects to these other topics. Mm-hmm. And we're done talking about facts. Yeah. No. <laughs> No we're more LGBT people. I'm sorry, I shouldn't use that word. Fag. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. We're done talking about. I can't say things like that. That's unacceptable behavior. No, that's 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 violent talk. You know, Raindrop would be so angry he would be ready <laughs> to like beat you over the head with a stick because you're using offensive language. Yeah, it's microaggression. <laughs> yeah, you can't be doing that. 
It's yeah, politically yeah. incorrect. Yeah, Raindrop would be ready to silence your right to free speech because you're using... Of course, Raindrop uh, gets pissed words. if I call him Snowflake. Because <laughs> right. that's like, you know, Snowflake is kind of like a gay term. You know? right. so, and, and so even though a Raindrop is like defending gay rights and is not gay himself, uh-huh. he gets offended being called Snowflake because it, right. it, yeah. it, atta- it attacks his masculinity. Right, right. He yeah, so he's really insecure. Feminine, he's yeah. a little more insecure than he wants to admit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so... This is uh, this is Dwight on the left, man. And this is Mark on the right. <laughs> so two dimwits signing off, and we'll see you next week. See you next week. Thank guys. you. Bye. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's a hundred percent free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.